Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. We are your host, Brian Ingram, Ben Lawrence, and Matthew Miller. It's going to be with you tonight. We're going to be covering, well, a series of waves that may be apocalyptic indeed in their origin. In private conversations, we've been going back and forth about, well, we do have serious problems with with these protest uprising. Now, the strange thing about it is, is that Ben and I was able to correlate with some dates. I said, well, if we got this one particular flavor of protest, if you can link it, even though it's just a different country, if you can link that back to the same time frame, and before the thoughts were out of my mouth, he sent me the link. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it was the exact same time that these two uh, flavors of protest started in different countries. So with that in mind, um, Ben, give us your opening thoughts about the matter, please. Well, my opening thoughts are is that um, you know everything in the Bible is isochronal. It's fractal in nature, meaning that what has been is what will be. Sometimes we see the event, um, and it's just a question of amplitude. And other times we see the exact opposite. Um, and in the case of the events that we're talking about right now, we've talked about them in terms of uh, protest and, and the next leg down involving politics, but politics is a broad term, and um, we can speak about specific groups or specific uh, interest inside of the discontent um, to possibly get a better signal-to-noise ratio because, as Brian will mention, pri- uh, you know, when we've talked privately, that there's so much going on around the world with protests that um, – if we can tweak that signal a little bit, we might get a better sense for what's really going on and what it really means. So that's that's my initial thought and my initial comment. And Brian, what would you say to that? Do you, do you agree with that assumption there, uh, or that conclusion, rather? And do you see hints of the same thing going on uh, around the world? I mean, we've got several of these protest, I guess, that you can say. Do you think these are linked in any way, shape, or form, and could they be harbingers to seeing lesser waves or acoustical waves involved, the reverberation as one goes off one uh, dead stop into another? What's your thoughts? Well, there's certainly a pattern going on here. There's no escaping it, and, you know, I think we're going to see more and more of this uh, continue to rise up in the midst of more of these protests. And why I say more is I had just uh, taken a glance uh, real quick in uh, one of the groups that I'm in on Twitter, and they posted in there that protests are breaking out in China as we speak. So this thing is still building. These protests are still building and flaring up, and who knows where it's going to end at this point. Let me be direct and to the point. Gentlemen, I've never known to be one to beat around the bush. 
Could we possibly be looking at evidence of these riders have been sent out to patrol the Earth? Ben, yes or no? I think that's uh, I think that's fair. Brian, what say you? That's what I suspect is going on. You know, it's like we brought up on the program the other night over on uh, the Iron Show. We might be looking at Zechariah. Or we could be looking at the riders going into full force here. I don't know. I mean, one thing I've taken note of is the fact that these protests seem to have started after the head of the year. And what do I mean by the head of the year? Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. So uh, what's happening here, time will tell, but it's definitely a strange circumstance. Well, we have often talked on this program the simple fact that time is isochronal, and it is cyclical, whether you like it or not. Uh, the Maya uh, agreed with the Lord, their God, in all over the book of Ecclesiastes, just for starters. So I'm not even willing to debate that point. That is the way it is. So the question is, these writers are obviously sent out cyclically. They are sent out on their circuit uh, uh, periodically. The question is, is we know what happens on their last ride when they ride for absolute glory. They're obviously sent out before the coming of Christ the King. So right there would make you realize something that, well, the last time they ride will be somewhere plus of 1,260 days, because the great day of you sitteth upon the throne, we, well, you physically can't, and I mean physically by the laws of physics, you can't know how long that duration is, so it's somewhere plus 1,260 days that those writers is the last time they're sent out, and they wreak havoc upon, well, everything, actually. They make sure that there's no such thing as a new world order. That's for the one and nobody else. That's for the Lord's acts. That's the way it's going to be. So many people don't realize the prophetic ramifications of, well, Amos, you know, uh, well, all of them. I mean, all of them. Isaiah, Jeremiah, I mean, they just don't realize the, the dire straits that we very well could be in. Ben, you brought up a certain flavor of protest the other night. Why don't you go into that for a second and uh, tell us why your eyes were brought to that? Sure, and um, I'll give a little background in a minute. Um, you, you titled this show, did you call it The Fourth Wave? Is that what you called it? I have not named it yet, uh, but I, I think that that'll be made known before this program gets out what I'm going to name it. Because we're pre-recording pre it because Johnny was indisposed. He couldn't go live with us, so this is pre-recorded. Okay. That 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 was used uh, for one of the articles that you sent out of The Guardian, right? The fourth wave of uh, feminism? Yes, the fourth wave, because it, this is historical knowledge that – they have called this since the beginning the waves of feminism. And it was the Guardian itself that titled this fourth wave. And I don't think Christians will like what they prophetically called it. But yes, that is what the Guardian initially called it, the fourth wave. 
Now, I'm I'm going backwards, but it's that's fine. Um, we've talked before about the isochronal uh, nature of American history, uh, starting in 1565, going all the way to 1965 with the Voting Rights Act. Um, seven years later, you have the whole uh, incident with Roe v. Wade, and uh, of course. Uh, a Christian should be looking for 430 years after that, and that takes you to 1995, where you have the Oslo Accords, you have the Million Man March, you have uh, Oklahoma bombing. But um, I just found this right when we were coming on the air. Uh, that w actually 95 was the uh, date of the uh, fourth World Conference on Women, was held in Beijing in 1995 which I find that extremely interesting because um, the women's movement and it was also a big deal in the 60s. And that, of course, uh, started around 1963 uh, with a big, in a big way with Betty Friedan and her book. And, of course, the pill and all those other things really, it reached a crescendo. And so, we sh you know, you have the Jesus movement in there. You've got the civil rights movement in there. Um, you have... All of these events, and like I started off saying, you should be able to see in these events um, some specific isochronology. And when we look a little closer, you can get into specific, um, drill down a little bit deeper to understand more clearly um, the connections that we need to be seeing out of the signal-to-noise ratio. Ryan, what's your thoughts on that? I'm just debating over... Um these waves like you brought up, I mean, the timing of them, they bring up that it started around the 1850s to 1870s. And I mean, this is even within a, you know, 120 year generational cycle that we were looking at before, um, going past, uh, 1899 and, uh, so on. That's exactly what, what I was thinking, Brian, that, that it was fitting into that 120 year cycle of time. Uh, that this could very well be a wave. And and this is obviously broader out into, you know, World War One. And everybody accepts the fact, at least historians do, that <laughs> World War Two was really just part two. That that's all it was, was part two. The Germans just simply could not sustain what had been done to them for their reparations for World War One. I. I mean they they I mean it was either fight or starve. So, with that in mind, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's like when you have a wave tank, and that wave hits the, the barrier and is reflected back, goes to the other side, then comes back and hits it again. So, is this wave building successfully or successively uh, in not only duration, but in power? So... This uh, this new Guardian article that that I looked at was well, it wasn't too happy to look at because it just came right out and said something that well, biblically speaking, I don't care to to associate with any type of movement uh, at all. But Ben himself brought this up that uh, well, this is associated. Uh, with the Jesus movement, for one, but movements just like that. A religious movement somewhere in the midst of them 
catching momentum uh, with these movements, which you can take that however you'd like to take it, uh, but it's it's not too pleasing to consider. But uh, this is The Guardian's headline. The fourth wave of feminism meet the rebel woman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, meet the rebel woman. That don't set too well with me. And I do mean at all. That doesn't set well with me at all. So, Brian and I, uh, most specifically, not on air, not on audio, but on videos on the Bands of Time YouTube channel, we went into this several times where, well, you can prove beyond any shadow of a doubt that these things do act like a, a wave machine, no doubt about it. So, you know, with that in mind, it's, it's, it's pretty disturbing to think about. That this could be a wave building, and we might be looking at this final wave. But really, the Arab Spring created a wave of monument, monumentous proportions, and that is the wave, this Arab Spring, that would have produced this fourth wave of feminism. And this ain't good. It's just not good. It's not good. So Brian and I have already laid the foundation for this a long time ago with with bringing that into the mix, that this Arab Spring was on this 120-year cycle of time. And if it's this wave that has produced this fourth wave of, fem of feminism, you better look out. That's my sentiments on the matter. Ben, back to you. And, and just to be clear here, um, and I sent both of you a private message with some of the timeline that I'm talking about, but just to be clear here, uh, there is a legitimate reason uh, for many women uh, in the places where these protests are occurring for them to be upset. Um, we have uh, female genital mutilation occurring in places, which is a horrible, horrible custom. Um, no one should have to endure that. Um, you have women not allowed to drive or go places without a male escort to take them there. Uh, you have women unable to work. Uh, in other situations, you have um, uh, rapes, all sorts of just basic human dignity uh, is is removed, um, which is driving some of the unrest and, and uh, discontent, and that's understandable. And that is, um, um, I don't have a problem with the woman having a problem with that. I support her in in her struggle for emancipation in that regard. Um, but I go back to Genesis 3.16, the proclamation that was given to the woman um, after the Lord their God had confronted them and the serpent about what had been going on. Uh, he said specifically to the woman that I will multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be contrary to your husband. And he shall rule over you. And I find it interesting that that word rule is mashal, which is literally the condition that um, many of these people are finding themselves in. In some cases, much worse than that. But it's basically a martial law type of situation. You cannot travel. You cannot do anything. Um, and that's literally the environment that they're in. And that confrontation 
um, is coming headlong into this proclamation, uh, which only can mean one thing. We, we are literally talking about the timeline because, of course, what did uh, God say to the serpent? He talked about bruising his head and um, he would bruise his heel. And that's only talking about one specific event that uh, most people tend, tend to go to the book of Revelation to talk about. But all of these events are intertwined with the time everyone loves to talk about in the Bible. Amen? Amen. No, no, no debating that. And let me say that too. You know, I don't, I don't have a – I'm not trying to say that these women don't deserve to be treated humanely. That's not what I'm saying at all. And, and whatever intricacies they're going through, of course I stand for that. Of course, I stand for, you know, freedom and, and, well, the right to live. You know, of course, I stand for that. I'm not, I wasn't detracting from the problem at all. I was just saying that this wave, this, this feminist movement is nothing more than a reverberation from a wave created by those writers. And that's what I'm saying. Now, so we should look for, this not only to be affecting gender, but ethnicity too. So, and we have that, don't we? Of course, we have in the 60s uh, with this wave uh, that was accompanied by, of course, the, well, the Six-Day War, uh, no doubt about it. But we have this, these, the 60s movement right there, right on top of it with the Jesus movement. So, these waves that the writers create, they reverberate through everything, not just gender, but also uh, ethnic groups, well, which would, which would stand to reason. But, you know, when we go to uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, and look at those three waves, those three judgments, because they are three, uh, well, this is exactly the same type of thing. You can take this to every tribe, na nation, language, and tongue. Everybody sets back shocked. What did Matthew just say? Oh, yeah. The first thing you have problem with whenever – let's just set up a municipality, shall we? Okay, let's speak like men that we may know one and to another. I'll tell you, the first thing you're going to have problems with whenever you set up a municipality – it's all right when you've got a hundred, try a thousand. Then you have to rethink the septic system. Then you have to scratch your head and say, man, we should have put a whole lot more water pipe in. Hey, uh, uh, we're well over uh, 400,000 watts. We need to up the wires coming into the city. Do you understand? Those are <laughs> pains uh, in breeding, in giving birth. Those are called growing pains, duh. Every form of government has it. Well, <laughs> let me get this right. So you think that, let's take uh, Chicago, shall we? You think that the county seat, okay, has the same amount of members 100 years ago than it does now. Are you crazy? No. It's gone through a thousand different growing pains since then. Does everybody understand? So when you realize that, okay, <laughs> what's the next thing you say? So I've already brought up the growing pains, right? All right? Everybody see that? The desire will be for the husband. <laughs> so 
everybody tries to execute the will, right, uh, onto the entire society. But that's not how it works. What you follow is the law. So that is the husband over you is the law, the governing authorities. Does anybody see what I'm saying here? It's the same thing. Because Eve, in this instance, of course, prophetically, is the woman. Now, she can either desire her husband or not. Once she does not, well, the end result of the course is a harlot. But the point in case is, that's right. What did the guardian say? Yes, the rebellious woman. Your thoughts? A amen. Uh, that's a, a Judges 19 event. I mean, where did that woman go? Didn't she leave her husband and she returned to her father's house? That's exactly what happened. Correct. So, I mean, that there's there's no question about that. And um, I'm not nearly as good with the Greek, but when I look at this Genesis uh, 3.16 in the Greek, that meaning, that desire is actually an inversion. It actually um, uh, says despise, if I'm reading the Greek correctly. It's, it's actually the inverse meaning. Well, unfortunately, you are correct. Uh, it gives you the inverse. Well, it gives you... Well, it gives you the rebellious woman is what it does. Right. And you, you just have to swallow it. And you just have to accept it that without this machination... I couldn't have said what I said. The Hebrew alone wasn't going to cut it. I couldn't see the end from the beginning with just one tongue there. God had much more to say. So, in order for him to get his point across, he had to use a couple of different languages there. And that's just the beginning of it. You start tear apart, uh, well, what case and tense is this, then it really gets tricky. Because there's a whole lot being stated there. But what I have stated is enough indeed. I've got everybody to realize that, wow, Matthew's right. This is the same type of problems that any city, county, state, even country governmental systems go through. Because it's all right to hand out food stamps to a 1,000. When it gets to the point where you have to hand them out to a 100,000, you don't have enough secretaries to do that. That takes an entire printing company. That takes a thousand times more manpower. It takes a thousand more stamps, a thousand more envelopes. Everybody knows this. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, uh, everybody knows the massive pains that London had, of course, upgrading its sewer. I mean, look it up in diaries and stuff. It was absolutely horrific. I mean, that's why nobody wanted to go to London, ladies and gentlemen. Because uh, just the stench alone would keep you away. That's a fact. Look it up. So everybody knows this, but they have failed to apply it that when God speaks, that's what he means. And he don't need your ratios. He's the Lord your God. So he just told you about the solar system dynamics. That's the way it is. Okay, he just, he just told you how. <laughs> how an ordered system is going to work. That's, that's just what he said. So when you back up and look at that mathematically, all of a sudden you scratch your head, wow. I, I mean, if you are able to do the alphanumerics on it, you step back and scratch your head saying, whoa, now I understand the 
this this worldly uh, uh, phrase of holy cow, then you really begin to understand that that when the Lord speaks, like, well, he means what he says. And he's no respecter of persons because he don't care if you know or not. You can't stop him. So so it's 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 well it makes things very complicated and very concerning indeed. Uh, Brian, well, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just going to interject here. Um I, I think the interplay between despising and desire, a good example of that would be everything um between Jacob and his two wives, right? And of course, we see that crescendo with the uh, immense amount of pain um, related to the birth of Benjamin, which you absolutely should be looking for, uh, because Benjamin, of course, is a picture of those that we are so eagerly awaiting. Amen? Amen. Amen. I absolutely agree. I mean, there's really no way around it. And, you know, now now that the cat's out of the bag, I mean, now people realize what psychologists normally do. I mean, they'll go back to Genesis chapter, you know, 3. They'll go to Judges chapter 19 because, well, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to rain on your party. Been to an institution of higher learning, aced both astronomy and and psychology. Okay, so I'm telling you that they know the Bible's true. They They already know that. They just can't let you know that. So when you realize that, that that when God speaks, he's telling you about creation. Of course, this is exactly what what Tesla did with the book of Job. And and Brian and I have, have did a show on that. I think on – as a matter of fact, I think it was a video on uh, on Bands of Time. Uh, the simple fact that uh, – I hate to tell you, uh, Tesla could see his name in Job. And guess what? That's how he lit up the world's fair when he did it. Because he realized what the Lord his God was talking about water. He he that's how he made well. And I should not fail to mention Sir Isaac Newton. Uh everything that he did, uh that's because he read it in the Bible first. He he was he was understanding that there was a massive higher dynamic at play than what everybody thought there was. But let let's get uh, Brian's uh, thoughts on these matters. Well, one thing that keeps going through my head and was um, even earlier today when I was thinking this over is uh, well, your first um, uh, set of verses that resemble this is Micah 7, verse 6. But uh, Luke 12, verse 53, they will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And I, I've always found it rather odd how it highlights everything going on here with the mother and daughter dynamic and then the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law dynamic. Well, yeah, because, well, I, I mean, we all know where the throttling of what, even holidays, right? I mean, everybody knows this. If mommy's not happy, nobody's happy. And when mommy's not happy, guess who's the first one to jump on her team? Yeah, that's right. Then all of a sudden you have, you know, Thanksgiving dinner turn into a hornet's nest. I mean, who don't know this? Wake up, everybody. Who don't know this? Who don't know this? Because the emotions are in the breast of the woman. You can just take that to the bank. 
I mean, now, let me be very clear. Unless alcohol be involved, you're not talking about a masculine emotional event that wrecks holidays. No, no, that's a lie. Men don't do that. Under normal – and look, ask any psychologist. They'll be glad to tell you these things. Under normal circumstances, without drug or alcohol, the men will sit down and talk with each other and try to keep everything quiet and try to keep everything smooth. Everybody for thousands of years has known this. I mean, duh, what do you think happened in the book of Daniel? How did that start? <laughs> you know the book of Daniel? Have, have you ever read it before? Yeah, that one. How did this start with Vashti? Do you know anything about Vashti? What all these things was stating, why Vashti did what she did, well, all these things about the book of Daniel, well, that was because of, that's right, that very one verse we read earlier that dictated these these. Well, three judgments. These three things. That's that's what broke down. So, when we look at that dynamic in this light, it makes it pretty disturbing that uh, a new source as old and as credible as the Guardian calls this fourth wave of feminism meet the rebel woman. I.e., she has been unleashed Indeed, and I find it interesting that the uh, that fourth World Conference of Women was held in '95, just like it should have been. That's where you have the Toronto uh, blessing, Oklahoma City, the Million Man March, and it goes on and on and on. Fractally, everything lines up there right where it's supposed to, and then um, that's the 4:30. And if you go out to 4:50, you should be seeing things begin in about 2015, which you which you do. I mean, what was going on at that time? We had all kinds of consternation in this country about Black Lives Matter, right? Um, That's right. And that was the beginning of this whole Me Too movement, the Women's March. All of those things began to crescendo again, just like they should. A wave goes out, and as Matthew said, it it, it crashes and comes back uh, the other other way. It's just a question of amplitude. Brian, your thoughts? Well, I would have to agree. I mean, we're looking at a specific time pattern. That's the way these things always seem to work out is on a specific measurable distance of time between each other. And and Brian, tell me, what what are you seeing out there in the news that, that is troubling you? What do you think is very concerning? Well, the big thing is definitely all these protests, you know, people have been wondering what in the heck is going on, why this is happening. It could be leading to somewhere big, but, you know, the the biggest thing on the horizon that I've always been keeping an eye out for is uh, conflict with Iran. And it looks like it may be headed in that direction, but who knows at this point. I'm surprised it didn't break out into full conflict this summer with everything that was going on. Well, you know, I've been thinking about some things myself that are, well, things are getting extreme to say the least. I mean, I'm going to say something that I said privately to Ben the other day, and I want you all to think about this. It's a fact that the chief executive of this country 
has used social media to incite violence. Now, this is a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen. It's also a matter of fact that on multiple occasions he has stated the wrong thing, the incorrect thing. I mean, it's irrelevant as to whether he was lying or not. But on multiple occasions he stated the incorrect thing on social media. And they actually tried to create... Well, not just not just policy, but military policy based off of a tweet. Now, let's take a deep breath. Does any of you remember the made-for-TV movie? It came back out in the 90s, I believe, and it was a miniseries called On the Beach. This movie detailed one lone U.S. submarine that had not fired its nukes. The entire surface was dying because the radioactive cloud was quite simply enveloping the planet. It was going to kill everybody. My point is this. Look, Brian and I have talked a lot on air about these these hackers are good, and they're professional. These people that get on the dark web and, and all that kind of stuff that I don't understand, but Brian does. These people are good. What happens if somebody hacks the chief executive's Twitter account and tweets on there, we should nuke uh, Hong Kong off the map. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, the chain of command is slow for a reason, because it eliminates the possibility of, of madmen killing people. You understand? I mean, when, when, when I was in the military, uh, I absolutely needed my lieutenant, because if the captain had given order that was crazy, my lieutenant wouldn't carry that out, and you could go right up the chain of command. So it's like, the full bird colonel, he gives a crazy order. Well, guess what? The lieutenant colonel has to pass it on to the major. The major has to pass it off to the captain. And the captain has to pass it off to the lieutenant. That takes time. And time has probably saved the world a million times over. So is the chain of command. When you have somebody literally trying to dictate policy on Twitter and the State Department starts backing it up, you're in very dangerous territory indeed because you're back to the Rubicon. Here, let me let me explain. You see, old Caesar, he crossed the Rubicon with his troops. Do you understand that? He didn't need lieutenants or captains. They would literally do exactly what Caesar said because they was right there with Caesar. Do you understand that? That's what we have is a removal of the chain of command. That is extremely Dangerous. That's dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want that. Now, I'm not, I didn't say anything positive or negative about the person that you voted for or didn't vote for because I don't vote, and you all know that. You know I've never voted. That's not who I'm talking about. Who I'm concerned about is these hackers because they could start world war in a fraction of a second. Ben, your thoughts? Well, we literally saw a version of that in Hawaii. Uh, they had uh, missiles inbound was sent over uh, social media, and there was all kinds of consternation, and the governor couldn't remember his password to his Twitter account to correct the message. And so for hours, people were literally thinking that they were going to – they were dying or people had potentially died on part of the island. Um 
this is a huge, huge, huge problem. Well, Ben, do not mention names. Do I make myself clear? Yeah, amen. Uh, didn't we have this incident where where someone tweeted about the weather? And uh, now, now wasn't now what concerned me was not the mistake. I mean, yeah, I mean everybody makes mistakes. Who cares? But is it not true that well, the National Weather Service actually backed up the lie? Is, is that true? Can you tell us the circumstances of that without mentioning names? That that is true. My understanding is is not only did they um, change the story to make that true, but there were people who actually left NOAA because they were so upset about it, uh, because that should not be uh, politics. I mean, the weather is what it is. It doesn't matter who's in charge. You mean that's what you thought? That's what they thought? That's what they thought, yeah. So nobody expected this to go to this level. I mean, no, nobody – I mean, n literally nobody saw this coming. But when you can release a tweet and have Noah back you up as to what the weather's going to do – Ladies and gentlemen, you need to you need to rethink what you're doing. You need to rethink those emotions, especially those of you who should be sitting around talking, trying to keep things cool around Thanksgiving dinner. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Well, amen, and it it's not just um, about keeping things cool. It's also about saving lives because there's a finite amount of resources that – FEMA has available uh, to prepare and to distribute those who are in harm's way. And if some of those resources have to go to those who aren't in harm's way because we have to make something true that's not true, that could that could literally cost lives. That could be extremely detrimental. Brian, what is your thoughts on social media having the power to do this? What Did you see this coming? I mean – this is absolutely crazy that politicians could could tweet and then the State Department try to back up tweets. That's crazy. Brian, uh, your thoughts? All right. Sorry about that. The stupid mute. Um, it is crazy. I mean, that's all there is to it. I, mean, I, I watched both those scenarios take place that you guys brought up. And I mean, if you think about it, the diplomacy with North Korea, which is now falling apart – was all started with Twitter as well. And, you know, it's, it's as you stated, there's no chain of command. These things can get fired off so fast now and just because of crazy comments coming out of somebody's mouth on social media. I mean, I'm surprised that it's been allowed to go on this long as is, especially after seeing these couple of uh, events. You know, the weather situation you brought up. I had seen a guy that lived in the state uh, where they said it was going towards start packing up all these things, get, getting ready to evacuate because he didn't know for sure if the president was serious or not. So, I mean, it's affecting people, and that's money out of your own pocket for something like that. I don't know. That's that's nuts. Ben? Well, it's, it's not just that. I mean, you have a uh, policy that was announced by tweet about uh, transgendered in the military that then later became an issue for the Department of Defense to try and roll out because of a because of a tweet um, that literally meant people who'd been in the military 20, 30 years in some cases 
um, their whole job security became an insecurity because of a change in policy that happened over uh, a tweet. A tweet. How would you like to be fired look, over a tweet? Look, look, that that is crazy. You are literally 20 years ago, people would have laughed at you. Uh, you I mean, you're literally – this can't be true. I mean, have we not got to the point where truth is stranger than fiction? I, I mean, are you serious? I'm very serious, and where we're going now with the deep fakes, I, I want to say, was it China this week that just passed a law making it illegal to use deep fakes without um, – without a disclaimer, but literally with machine learning and AI, they can make um, they can make anyone look like anyone else and make their voice sound like anyone else, and they can have you believing that someone did something that they didn't actually do. So you combine that with, with a hack on Twitter, and you could literally see us invade uh, Mexico to the south. I mean, Mexico just made a pronouncement that we're not allowed to strike the cartels, but what happens if there's a tweet that says we're going after such and such crime family? I mean, what happens? Well, you know, it was me that said that uh, 10 years ago, actually. As soon it, – it was me that actually started that about 10 years ago. Um, as soon as I seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I realized that, of course, and then they're – was the Transformers. You couldn't tell the difference. It looks real. And you're right. You take a deep fake backed up with a tweet that's been hacked. You know, that's that's not funny. Um, that's, that's, that's very concerning. But, you know, the real problem is, is that there's no precedent to this. Let me put this question to you, Ben. Did the last executive of this country do that with social media not not to my uh belief or understanding i don't believe that this has ever been done this way before is it true that this has resulted in injury before yes it has um there have been comments about uh the flag and particularly the nfl uh kneeling and there was a 13-year-old boy who was um, knocked in the next week, um, fractured his skull because he didn't have his hat off. And the perpetrator said that he was just doing what he, you know, his president had told him to do. Now, I'm not saying that that's a, a good excuse, but you have people who, who have gone into a frenzy with this stuff. They've, com they've lost complete discernment, judgment, where this stuff is concerned. Let's let's take this live local night breaking. Ben, you told me about a military sniper the other day that had just been pardoned, correct? Yeah. Can you tell us the details of this individual? Ben, you there? Yeah. Um, this uh, SEAL team member um, was acquitted of the worst charges, but he was accused of shooting a teenage girl or a young girl in the chest uh, – in Iraq, he was accused of killing an old man. He was accused of, of stabbing an ISIS combatant, a teenage boy, um, and then taking pictures with the body. And it was only the pictures with the body that he was actually convicted of, and he's one of 
nearly 200 who've been convicted of that incident, but um, uh, the president decided to intervene and say that we're not going to um, we're going to give him back his trident. And Ben, let me ask you something. He just got back from Afghanistan, right? So, what would happen if, uh, you know, the president was joking around and he just said, well, I would just shoot everybody that had a turban on? Well, we've had that. We had the bomber that was in Florida that was that was going after all of the detractors. He was sending bombs to people in the military, was sending bombs to people in Congress. And uh, the left isn't immune from this. I mean, we had... Uh, we had that congressman that was at a baseball game, uh, Republican congressman who was who was shot, and other other members on the right in Congress were shot by someone. So it's not that one side is immune from these things, but um, no other no other leader of a political party in this country uh, in modern history has publicly called for violence to protesters in in a rally. Um, and in fact, there are open cases in court where people are using that as a defense. Um, well, I know this, you know, let's say a tweet goes out, goes out along, you know, the southern border and, uh, you know, somebody tweets, you know, let's invade. Well, I, I mean, we are basically talking about Texans, correct? Pretty much. Texans, um, Arizonans, Californians, yeah. Well, Texans especially. Uh, I mean – Ladies and gentlemen, you probably need to know this. If you act like you're psycho and you take your truck and start hitting people and do that kind of stuff, when they do stop you, they'll blow your brains out. Okay? Now, I'm sorry if you're not from Texas, and I'm sorry if you don't know this, but in Texas, you don't do that crap. And you could have a serious problem on your hand really quickly. And I mean really quickly. We This would turn into an international incident. Really quickly, so if this intensifies further, I don't know. We may be in a world of hurt. Ben, well, amen. I, I think that um, the prospect for violence on both sides is very, very high uh, because both feel uh, that they are um, basically acting um, correctly. They have a reason to do what they're doing. Um, but again, I will remind everyone of what David said. Wickedness from wickedness, right? Everything reproduces after its own kind. And you cannot create a lawful kingdom through assassination. You can't. No, you can't. You can't indeed. Brian, your closing comments, please. What's What's your thoughts on this? Well, the big one that you guys brought up is what happened there with that seal. I mean, I read that one of the articles on it, and I was just furious because there was, uh, you know, unfortunately, those that back a certain someone in our government, uh, they were going, yay. You know, I'm like, did you, like, not look at the article? The guy was shooting civilians. That's not acceptable. Even, you know, a military... An enemy that's been injured, you don't kill them. That's not acceptable behavior, period. So, uh, you know, folks, it's kind of like I said before. I don't know where this is headed, but I have never seen anything like this. These protests, they keep flaring up and flaring up, and they don't go away overnight. 
they every one of them you watch that's flared up is still ongoing from its time of inception. So just have to keep an eye out for this. Well, let me say this, ladies and gentlemen. There was something else about that sniper that was more bothering to me because I've been in the military. And Ben told me that the other soldiers were just skipping his rotation. That That's not acceptable, ladies and gentlemen. Look, every soldier knows that when you encounter an animal in your squad, you have to put that animal down. Now, you do so quietly and not publicly so that their family can still get the benefits. That's my biggest question, ladies and gentlemen. Why didn't those soldiers uh, do something about it to stop it instead of just skipping his rotation when he was murdering wives and children and husbands and grandpas? You weren't expecting me to say that, were you? No, I assure you, this is common knowledge. In the field, if you wind up with an animal in your platoon, you put it down. You have to. Not only for the civilian's sake, but for their family's sake, so their families still get the benefits. And nobody else knows the better. I mean, everybody knows this. That's what really bothers me. This generation is so far gone that his fellow uh, team would not put him down? I, I, I don't know, man. We're not talking about everyday enlisted. We're talking about the cream of the crop. We're talking about SEALs. That's right. We're talking about SEALs. And look, uh, if they thought that it was not worth putting him down over, if they thought that he was truly sick in his mind, of course they would have just popped his hip out of place. I mean, give me a break, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody, look, go to any military facility and talk to anybody that's been in live action. They'll say, yeah, uh, funny thing, uh, this dude come here not only with meningitis, but his hip was popped out of place. Well, how'd that happen? Well, duh. Look, man, his teammates should have stopped him ten times over. They should have got on top of him, put their knee into his shoulder, and ripped his freaking arm out of socket and sent him packing back to the States to save everybody. And then they would, of course, put a tag on him that he needs a mental evaluation. Okay, they only would have literally put him in the grave if they would have been in fear for their own squad's life. Because once you can't go to sleep, you have to fix the problem. But the problem's usually fixed way before then. They just get sent back to the rear. I mean, you just break them. That's, that's all you have to do. You save them in doing so. But look, I'm not the only soldier. And I know many soldiers listening to my voice know exactly what I'm saying is true. What's happened with this generation? When they don't have the fortitude to put somebody out of, at least out of commission, and stop them from killing children, for God's sakes. I, I will say this. If they were not men, I don't give a flying rip if they were seals. I said men. If they were not men, well, maybe it's time for the Lord, our God, to put a stop to it. Ben, your closing comments, please. Well, I I uh, want to apologize because I did not mention in talking about this women's movement the um, rampant anti-Semitism in some of the key leadership roles. Um, that absolutely is concerning. And when you start to think about um, the spirits 
that are associated with these uh, movements, that really raises some serious questions. Again, I'm, I'm making a big distinction between women wanting to be paid properly, wanting um, to not be molested, wanting um, to be able to drive cars and do all the things that, that um, anyone else can do. But some of this stuff is something else. Um, when you want abortion on demand, um, when you're anti-Semitic, um, those things are something else. And, and there is a string of that in this movement, and um, that absolutely deserves a look. Well, yes, we do have time. You, you do need to address this. Um, talk to me um, in the most clear and concise way you can. Uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, really? You're serious, or are you making that up? Give me, give me names and instances, please. You can, you can go on here. Uh, yes, it's at the top of the hour, but well, the Lord, He is God, and He don't know no different from sixty minutes to sixty seconds. Amen. I mean, to Him, it might as well be a thousand years. So, uh, we do need to speak about this. You mentioned something that triggered another topic: the spirit of this thing. So go right ahead. You have the floor. Well, I just find it interesting that um, some of the key women in leadership positions in the Women's March are um, uh, anti-Semitic. Uh, Linda Sauer, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, um, very anti-Semitic. Um, and um, the association of Louis Farrakhan with that movement. How do you have a women's movement that has ties to somebody like that? Um, and then when you think about the uh, long tendrils of that uh, women's movement that are touching into the Middle East, in Turkey, in Iran, in uh, all, all these places that, that we're talking about, and you, and you begin to see that this spirit is, is manifesting itself in different places in different ways, but, but its character or its spots um, are plain to see for anyone that wants to take a look and just and just see what they can see, and it should be concerning for anyone. Brian, what's your thoughts on that? Do, you, do you, is well, we all realize that many people have talked about this spirit of anti-Semitism. Do you think this is tied in with these this this fourth wave of feminism or not? Well, I mean, we've seen anti-Semitism going back how far, so, you know, it's obviously rearing its head again, and I, you know, I've noticed that since uh, the latest uh, Commander-in-Chief got in, we've seen the rise of anti-Semitism going on in the United States, at least outward. They used to hide behind little, you know, chat groups and stuff like that, now it's becoming more outward, but nonetheless... It could be a possibility it is linked in with this fourth wave. Well, this Women's March was particularly vocal um, the day of the inaugural. When when this particular president took office that same day, you saw massive protest around the country um, with women. And again, several of the key leadership positions were filled with women that are very, very anti-Semitic. Which is, you know, that's right in line with, with the accusation against uh, this particular president and many of these other um, hard right movements that you see in Europe um, and in the Middle East. So 
that spirit is playing a role in all of this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, think about such things and consider them. I mean, you could, I mean, Brian, well, all of us, what we've mentioned, look it up. Go back to when this present POTUS took office and see, was there any female protest that day? And did any, uh, well, did any anti-Semites get into his, his cabinet or put into positions of high power? Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. I mean, are these things true? I mean, you know, you you might want to look it up, considering what's what's going on right now. I mean, consider this, ladies and gentlemen. On the 14th of this very month, it was released that, well, uh, papers, scientific papers have been released that uh, certain arid parts of this planet, it was proven that they had shifted like 30 degrees. The axis had been proven to have moved. Okay? Then just, what was it, yesterday they come out and said that, well, guess what? The magnetic north poles moved so far again, we've had to change it again. I just talked about this this very year. They've already had to move it again. It's going right toward where this ministry has showed you on video where it's going. That is Noah's North Pole. So, maybe you ought to stop and go search out this... Start right there at the Guardian. The fourth wave of feminism. Meet the rebel woman. You'll get a kick out of the... Uh, well, she's wearing scarlet. And looks like she's in the second trimester. Interesting indeed. Brian, where can people find your stuff, please? Uh, currently, at the time, I'm just basically on Twitter, so uh, the Bands of Time on Twitter. Uh, probably get my website up and running here sometime soon. i got to kick out a few funds to get it up for the year. And, oh, the Bands of Time on YouTube, I suppose, as well. All right. Ben, would you like to give uh, how people can get a hold of your stuff? Um, I'm a little bit active on Twitter, uh, so Temeskin77, uh, you can follow me there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you, <laughs> I know it's coming up to the holidays, and I warned everybody about the last holiday season, didn't I? Look, you need to consider these things. We here have done what we could do, and it's obviously not enough. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.